before we get into it, I need to remind you that I have got a Patreon. If you don't know what that is, it's where people can support their favorite content creators. And it's where I can basically create premium and behind the scenes content to help traders profit more on their football index journeys and basically help them become better traders. If you go over to P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash fi guide that's patreon.com forward slash fi guide you can basically check out the four different tiers on offer three pounds basically gets you the early access to the podcast and also five minutes extra on every sunday figcast out there the five pound offer gets you a monthly blog post and a monthly podcast from myself private to those patrons only the eight pound tier gets you access to the fig discord which is a place where some of the best traders on the platform hang out and chat and uh, it's it's really awesome really enjoy it in there and the 12 pound tier gets you access to fig webinars which is where all the juicy stuff is that is where people guests or myself come and do a webinar every month for you know 45 50 60 minutes and last month's was by fi sigmund on the psychology of football index which i really really enjoyed and i'll definitely be putting out some snippets of that on youtube and such so do go check out the patreon p-a-t-i-e-o-n.com forward slash f-i guide here's the legal stuff from football index fi is a gambling product available to customers in certain territories aged 18 or over the content of this podcast has not been approved by football index but they do listen to the show to keep me on my toes please remember to only gamble what you can afford to lose be gambleaware.org and when the fun stops stop Hello and welcome back to the Football Index Podcast, episode 163. In the previous podcast, I had Football Index Club on for a really great episode. Go do check that one out. And in the last podcast extra, me, Panda and ASP talked about essentially what's happened over the last couple of weeks and where Football Index go from here. Also some football chat to do with Inter, Juve, Haaland and so on and so forth and paying tribute to the late great Diego Maradona. Today's episode is another great one. A debutant once more and someone who's been dabbling with some Football Index content, FI Cartel. How's it going? It's going very good. How are you doing? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Talk to us about the name first and foremost before we get into anything. So I thought you used I to actually, be a troll account. <laughs> I actually started it with a with a mate. Um, we both we were watching the Twitter accounts. And we were just laughing at all these characters coming on like Big Don and like addressing the Don says this. And, and we found it quite funny. So and because it was two of us, um, we just I, I was watching Narcos at the time. So obviously that was fresh in my head and we went for Index Cartel. He doesn't actually run the account anymore with me, but that's how that started. Awesome. And why don't you tell the listeners a bit more about your Football Index journey? So I've got a bit of a betting background. Um, I started, I basically was introduced to match betting while I was at university where you, uh, you know, you take advantage of uh, bookies offers and kind of bet both sides to guarantee money. And that was what first got me um, into the Betfair exchange. Um, then I kind of looked into betting a bit more, kind of understood value betting. And, you know, that's how you win the game is by finding value. Uh, me and my brother um, found this kind of strategy where you use uh, offers 
on accumulators to find good value. And we did that for a while and we did work really well. But then eventually the problem with bookies is once you start winning, they, uh, they start to restrict your accounts. So I had to move away from that onto, uh, went onto horses. And I knew absolutely nothing about horses. I still really don't know anything about horses, but that was the market that was consistent. You know, there was 20 races a day and I could kind of get a gauge of how prices were moving up and down um, based on the money coming in and out. Um, had FI going on in the background and that was just booming. I was making way more f- uh, from that than I was in the horses. And then they kind of announced order books and it kind of made me think that, you know, this is not going to be that dissimilar from exchange. I'd rather just put my focus on the football, something I'm good at and something I'm, I'm much more excited about. And, you know, football index is, is perfect for me because I love buying and selling. Um, you know, I spent my, my summers, um, on the weekends going to boot sales, picking up crap and just selling it on eBay. I mean, that's what <laughs> I like what I like. I literally, I, I just love doing it. Even if I'm making like two quid, I, I just love buying and selling. Um, and I love football and I love betting. So, you know, this is just the perfect thing for me. And I see the potential of it. I, I think it's going to grow massively. And uh, I think I can grow as a trader and make, make some good money from it. Awesome. I mean, that's a really interesting journey. And I think the order book system and the implementation of it however bad it's been which we might get into at some point during the episode it is i suppose going to attract people from more of this type of backgrounds people who want to trade yeah i think i think they want that's i think that's a bigger maybe not a bigger market but that's you get bigger spenders doing the trading i feel like maybe that's kind of where they're they're going with it because, you know, there, there are a lot of uh, traders on Betfair who earn a living from, and I think that's kind of what they want. They don't want it to just be a, uh, another bookie where you, you bet and you lose. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I think there's this like notion that at some point, you know, the house wins, but actually the way that FI works means that we have this situation where, uh, you know, there is three ways to win essentially where you can buy and sell for profit you can buy get dividends and sell and as long as the sell price uh, and the dividends are more than the buy price you also win and you can also win by yeah. buying getting more dividends than the buy price and never selling um so those are the three different ways and i guess only the third way is directly against the house isn't it yeah what through through buying and yeah selling? well essentially like the way that fi would look at that uh, trade with that individual would be if I bought a player for one pound um, and recycled him three or four times over his career and paid eight percent uh, comms to do so, but I ended up with more dividends than all my buy prices combined. Um, at uh, in addition to the sale prices, which could be one p, let's say, um, then you'd still be winning against the house because you've directly yeah. Well, that's gone. That's interesting because I made I made a video yesterday and it was very speculative and I, you know a few people disliked it they probably disagreed <laughs> with me but it was kind of I was kind of trying to figure out how FI actually make money because obviously they get the cash through minting shares but if they mint shares at a price where um, they're paying out more in dividends over the career they're going to lose that bet so I was kind of thinking maybe it's a combination and they mint shares 
where some of them they mint higher than what they're ever going to have to pay. Yeah. Some of them they mint lower. And essentially, they actually make the money through commission. Because I think people think commission is what's covering yeah. the dividends. But I actually think it, it might is. Be it is the minting. What's covering the it dividends. is the minting. And, yeah. and the kind of way that they've structured the dividend payouts right now means that when one player wins, no one else can. Um, which means, which is kind of in essence the beauty of their model. They know how many dividends they are paying over a year. They know how many shares in circulation, so they can work out the average payout that they're going to be for a year. As long as they have those withheld for a year, um, then they're going to be covered. Eventually, I think the volumes and the trading in this platform are going to be so great that we are in a situation that commissions become greater than... Um, the minting of shares from a revenue standpoint. And a lot of people were kind of laughing at myself and Lee B talking about kind of on the um, on, on the timeline, talking about how a lot of people have been kind of discouraged in buying players that are at all-time high because they're fire minting at probably thicker rungs than what we're seeing on players that aren't at all-time high. But 12 to 18 months from now, we might be in a situation where we don't even notice the minting at all-time high because the volumes are so yeah, great. That's that's what we'd hope, isn't it? Yeah. Where that doesn't even make a dent in what you you're seeing. Yeah, yet. because if there's five thousand players on each rung or ten thousand whatever shares, then um, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Here we are, but let's see. That is that feels like a long time away, yeah, well, the, a long, long, long way away from where we are right now. It might be worth <laughs> than eighteen months. We've got some miscellaneous questions here. Fi blue nose, and this, these aren't necessarily miscellaneous. They might just not fit into any other category. Uh, did you trade horses pre-off? Or in play, do you still trade them? Do you think that the stabilizers are off long-term? FI will mimic Betfair Exchange in that 5% are long-term winners. And if not, why not? Uh, I traded pre-off. I traded 10 minutes before each race. Uh, in play was just crazy. Um, you'd, you'd have to be, you'd have to have balls of steel to do that. I mean, the prices change literally in a second. Your horse falls and then you're out. So I, I didn't like the in play part. Um, I don't trade them anymore because I wasn't doing very well. Um, and I wasn't enjoying it as much as I enjoy FI and it was kind of do one or the other. And FI was, was the clear winner. Um, when he says stabilizers off, what, what does he mean by the, the floors being released? Yeah, I think he means like just completely free market. And what's that fight less than 5%? Is it, so do you that think true? that the winners, I think it is probably true. Um, you have a lot of gambling syndicates, you have a lot of betting uh, companies that hedge their bets, you have a lot of liquidity providers um, and uh, other big, big play players that are uh, winning a lot more than the average trader. And to be part of that kind of 5, 10, 15%, whatever it is, is is, is tough on Betfair Exchange. But it's a, it's a slightly it's different, different model, isn't it? It's different, isn't it? Because, you know, on Betfair Exchange, when you win a bet, you're you're basically taking someone else's money and vice versa but that's not really the same on on the index is it because they're paying out dividends yeah exactly we've just and, and discussed the three different yeah, ways yeah, right exactly and i think there's more people there's more punters isn't there on betfair because they're um you know you've gone betfair because you're probably getting a slightly better odds but it doesn't really mean there's a lot of strategy behind your your bets like you might just want to bet on a horse and, and that'd be it so they're probably less thought into the bets on Betfair than there is on FI. But I also think um, with the exchange, the everything on the exchange, you can bet on bookies. So I guess the way bookies work, isn't it? They, they give you bad value, essentially, don't they? So, so they win. So they got the edge. 
And I think Betfair Exchange kind of mirrors that because if the order was so far apart, you just trade them and you can't really do that. Um, so I think even though the Betfair odds are probably better, they're probably still bad value uh, in the long run. Whereas FI, because it's only FI, I think you can actually get good value much easier. So I reckon there will be um, there'll be more than 5% winners long term. Yeah, and FI have got this model where they make money through two different ways, through revenue uh, generation of minting and also uh, yeah. commissions. But, you know, there is this... It's weird because we don't actually know what this thing looks like in three years. And it, and it might um, be that 15 to 20, 25, 30% of people win. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. It I, might I'm, be... I'm, I'm uh, interested to uh, see what it is now. Well, you know, in a gr- drops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You would be interested to see, wouldn't you? Uh, we've got a question here from FI Gardner, top three Colombian players of all time. <laughs> um, well, I mean, I don't know a lot about the history of Colombian football, but who's the guy? They had that guy with the big hair, wasn't it? Valderrama. Wasn't he meant to be quite good? Um, mm, I, I part think, of the golden you know era. They were, they were favourites for one World Cup, I think. Yeah, I think Falcao is seriously underrated for what he did at Porto and um, Atletico. I think that's kind of forgotten about after his uh, stints at Man U and Chelsea. Um, I don't know, James, James Rodriguez. I, I guess you'd have to say Quadrado is the best player in the world, according to the Football Index, anyway. So I guess you go to- <laughs> Put him in the top three. <laughs> he just had a position change, didn't he? I just saw that before I came on. What did, what did you make of that? Uh, I thought it was... <sighs> too coincidental i yeah, think it, it um highlighted the issues with the positional uh changes i, I mean I'm like, let I me ask you james and he's just been <laughs> off the team of the month a bit of... what what do you think they should do uh, from a positional change standpoint? I, I was actually i always i was under the impression they just did it at the start of the season and that was it um and yeah. i was fine with that really like, well, well at least maybe we know where we stand maybe, uh, maybe do it um every half season or something because obviously position has changed I, I don't really know what the answer is for that um what what do you think uh i mean if i was to be in charge of doing that i think i would probably i think i'd probably do it once at the start of every month i change positions yeah that, that um, makes sense. but then mm. I, I i just think that um if you do it too infrequently, it allows for too many quadrados to happen. Um, yeah. And I also think that football index in terms of the game should reflect how transient football is yeah. in its nature. And I think you should be, I think you should be rewarded if you're a trader for seeing that uh, X players injured and knowing X players going to fill in for them and them going into that position and performing yeah, I I mean, based on kind of the the, me, me, uh, the merits of that of the matrix I, in that I, position. I bought into Angelino because right because I bef- I saw him the last two games he was playing as a winger and and then he started scoring goals and got good scores but if he suddenly changed to a midfielder then I would completely lose that edge and lose the bet yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there's a balance to be struck. I think at the moment I'd probably take anything other than what we currently have. Yeah. Um, which is which says a lot. It's uh, not it's just great, random, but... isn't it? On a, on a Friday afternoon, yeah. and then bang, he's changed position. I mean, you wouldn't even know about that if you weren't on Twitter. 
they need they need to at least have some sort of update on the site where they got the list of position changes instead of us having to go through every single player and hear it off someone else. I don't think that's right. Uh, yeah, let, let, we can we could talk a little bit more about that at some point. But let's let's ask another question here from Fi Average Joe. Can you give any example of trustworthy resources you would recommend to improve general trading knowledge? What price would you these three horses be on the index based on their current uh, Fi prices? Envoy Allen, uh, Altail, and Tiger Roll. And which one of these would you buy? At I, mean, those I, prices? I can't even answer the horse one. I, I really don't even watch it's fucking tough horses question, anymore. Um, but trustworthy resources. Um, yeah, that's something you've got to decide for yourself and what works best for you. Um, some people read books and that works for them. I'm much more of a visual learner. Um, there's so many videos on YouTube that can that can help. But for me, the best I'm I'm a strong believer that the best way to learn anything is by doing. Um, and that's what I've I've done. I mean, I I just watch the market. I I don't even log in sometimes, and I I'll spend a couple of hours just literally checking in on the market, seeing price moves, you know, keeping up with what's happened that day and seeing how the market's reflected that. Um, if there's a trade that I want to make, if there's like a short-term strategy I've got in mind, I'll probably find a similar uh, situation and watch that first and then see how that goes. I mean, even with the, with the horses, I, I spent almost a year trading on practice mode just to kind of see how it goes. I think, I just think the best way uh, to learn is by making mistakes, um, understanding them, and then going from there. What, what about yourself? How, how do you? What resources do you use? Because I'm I'm basically self-taught. Yeah, I think doing is also always um, uh, better than reading. Um, I do I do think there is something in talking to people that have done it though as well, because I think. Um, it's uh it's 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 one of those things isn't it like talking to someone who's a few years ahead of you in that kind of thing i think is is quite important to do so and you know on fi and and, and in other trading communities there are loads of people that i'm sure are happy to help as long as they don't give their full edge away yeah i think you've got to have an edge as well you know um you've got to and also to understand that someone else's edge might not work for you yeah yeah definitely but you know getting giving yourself an edge is what's going to get you get you ahead of the rest of the market um i always use twitter as well just to just to hear other people's opinions even you don't have to agree with them all but if they've given a reason behind it it might give you a new new perspective or even a new idea on, on, what, on how to trade precisely precisely uh, before we move on i need to remind you folks that this podcast is sponsored by index game the third party data provider and community they are really really awesome go check them out over at indexgame.co.uk if you use the code FIG2020, you get five quid off your first month or uh, you get five quid off your first month in your six-month membership and you get a free month with that as well. And if you go for their quarterly option, you get it for eighteen ninety-nine a month for your first three months, which is, uh, again, another five quid off um, that package as well, which is pretty decent. Pretty decent, if you ask me. Uh, I've got a question here from FI Horseman. Looks like FI has weathered the storm of negativity brackets for now what's changed since friday to cause this and what still needs changing to push it on further let's answer this massive question in two chunks so the first one talk to me through your uh, feelings over the last 10 days talk me through thursday friday saturday and what's happened since and why it's happened since. i actually sorry but i was not negative 
at all through the big drops. Um, well, maybe maybe not negative through the drops, but negative. The market response was negative. Well, yes, but before the changes on Thursday, I kind of made a little prediction on what I think was going to happen. And it just made sense was that, all right, the prices are going to drop once they release the floors and they're going to keep dropping because people are going to compete against each other. But they're going to get to a point where no one's going to want to instant sell at such a low price or or everyone who did, they're going to be gone. Because, you know, who who's going to want to instant sell Sancho for £3.50? And once he gets to that low, people are going to want to start buying um, and people just had dividends come in and they're going to put bids at 350 and then it's not going to get matched because no one's going to sell and they're just going to compete against each other, eventually causing the causing market bias, um, showing how thin the walls are of people who actually want to sell at that price and then prices just jump back up. And I think that's exactly what's, what's kind of happened now. And I think that's always going to happen. Even if we get these big drops again, it's going to get to that point. They're never going to get, they're never going to stay that low. Um, what's changed since Friday to cause the sentiment? <laughs> what's changed is that people are people. People's prices and people's thoughts have gone up. It's, I've seen that um, on on Twitter, and especially over the last like two years, is that whenever anyone's losing, they're angry, and when they're winning, they're happy. And I think that's just always going to be always going to be the case. Um, I think it's been a longer period of people losing because of the transition, but you know, people's ports have started turning, and look how quickly um, if they've gone back up. So, uh, what still needs changing? Um, I'm going to use the L word. To say liquidity, because I, I don't think liquidity is actually as necessary as it's been talked about. But I think what it will do is it will prevent the prices getting that low because as soon as a price drops to stupid value, if we had that liquidity, I think they'd just get snapped up straight away and move back up. Would you Would you agree? I actually kind of do agree with you. And I think the reason being is that there is this myth floating around that added liquidity means uh, increased prices. Directly. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't necessarily agree with that. It gives us the base to increase prices. Yes, yes, but it doesn't mean it's not the old money. The old model, more money in the market meant price rises, but that's that's not necessarily the case anymore. I don't think. I think it's much more tilted towards actual value now. Um, I'd also like to see full market depth, but I just wonder. Again, this is very speculative. I just wonder because I, when I was trading on Betfair, I had to pay like for a subscription for external software to get the full depth and to like have little things where you can just do one click. And I just wonder if that's what they're going for. So, any any listeners who are software developers, get on the phone to FI, make the software, and I think there's going to be a massive demand for it. <laughs> I think you'd do very well. <laughs> Yeah, I I think that they will probably do it themselves uh, to some extent. But how yeah, would you, how how would you themselves. like the depth to be displayed? Like, is there anything specifically that you'd you'd want to be shown or, or want it to do? What what if they could show the full depth? That would be great. Um, if maybe they maybe they don't do it because it doesn't look very nice, or maybe it would be better to do it on the desktop version. 
but the, and I'll tell you what I would also I, I don't know why we still got these buy and sell prices because really it should just be the depth now that is that is that's the price and that's that shows how tight the spreads are I think that would be it's probably Maybe we're not there yet. Yeah, Maybe we're not, we're not there, there yet. yet. I think it's yeah. naive of us to think that we can do that straight away. Um, yeah, maybe. But I do think something like that has to be phased in where like you add more liquidity in, you add more functionality in, more depth, and then maybe you drop yeah, that 900 yeah. V up to 300 to close through it down the threads. Um, yeah, yeah, maybe we're not quite there yet. But I think that's probably where it's going. Eventually, yeah. But I think it's important to FI to know where they want to go, right? And then slowly, incrementally yeah. develop to that point. Yeah, I mean, where do they want to go? Um, it's changed so much, isn't it? Because it's, it's not, it doesn't feel like a, a punter's bookie market anymore as it did before order books. So they clearly have decided they're, they're sticking to this, this idea of trading, which I don't think is a bad thing, but it'd be, it'd be good to, to just every now and again for them to give us a bit more direction of, of what they want to achieve instead of us playing the guessing game all the time yeah i think a line of comms like that would be would be useful but like from from your perspective, like you said maybe they don't maybe they don't even know maybe but but from your perspective where where do you see it going i think it's going i think it's going much more in the direction of exchanges than than traditional bookmakers um that's always been the vision though that's always been or has that been conflated at some points due to certain promotions and, and stuff? I don't know. I don't really know what it was before because it, it wasn't. It wasn't like it wasn't like um, a bet. It wasn't like Betfair Exchange before order books. It wasn't. It was. It was kind of its own thing, and it, I, I don't. I don't really know. Um, but it definitely feels more like a, a betting exchange now, and that, I think I think it's just going to feel more and more like that as we go along, and. It, it will almost look. It will look very similar as well. I, I wonder if, if eventually, um, and this is like ten years, um, we can get to the point where we can bet against players, almost lay them. That would be interesting. Yeah, I think that would be. I don't know how they could do that. Yeah, though, it would only be half. You'd have to do it on a separate market. <laughs> if that yeah. makes sense and you'd also have to have time limits on those contracts so yeah i think you'd only be able to short say uh, a player's price on for, for like a month or a week or whatever mm. uh, and then also what happens when uh, there's dividend announcements or announcements from fi themselves that say you know it's january 2022 and they announced that they're opening up shop in x country does that ro- cause a rise in the market irrationally and does that mean your short is decimated for non-footballing reasons yeah. um be interesting wouldn't it yeah definitely um actually as you talked about time you just reminded me um someone mentioned to me you know um there's that com- that competitive app sports stack isn't there that came out and they they have Apparently, they, I don't know a lot about it. I, I downloaded the app and it didn't look like something that was of interest to me. But apparently, the shares you buy there last throughout the whole career. Mm. And on FI, I was always under the impression they can only last three years for, for tax reasons. It's more accountancy so reasons. Wonder, or, but I just wonder how they got around it. Or if, if maybe, if I maybe don't know. FI could eventually get around it. I, I don't really know. If you listen to the yeah. pod with 
Pandra on Thursday, he's obviously a much more of an accountant person. Um, uh, so yeah, I don't really know. Um, to be honest with you, I, I, I don't want to just say something that I have no idea about. I presume it's for accountancy reasons. I don't know if it's, um, if it's anything specific. So yeah, let's see. Let's see. Um, but, but yeah, let, let's move slightly back to kind of like the market that we're in right now. Um, you mentioned liquidity. What else do you think you'd want to see apart from that and depth to kind of continue the, the positive momentum that we've seen? Um, I don't. I, do, I just don't think we. Uh, I'd like to see us get to an equilibrium first before they change anything else. I think um, prices are still kind of they're not there yet. They, they've come down now, probably bottomed out, and now they're moving back up. They'll probably get too high again, and then they'll probably come back down, and they'll just get to that point. And do you think those peaks where, and troughs will be smaller and less exaggerated than what we've seen yes. before? Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, I think I think now we've kind of seen. How, now the market has seen how quickly it can all bounce back. I don't think there's going to be as many uh, panickers to 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 bring it down that far. But again, even if it does, it will come back up because there'll it's be always, more and more sharp gonna, money, right? Yeah, exactly. It's always gonna it's always gonna end up at the value. I'd like to think, anyway. Okay, interesting. And, yeah. Interesting. I think, um, but then let's say from that bottom, and I, I think I'll, I'll rope in this question here from Ben Bujaya. Uh, do you think we reached the bottom last weekend? And if so, what are the chances of another crash in the coming weeks, given the ease in which sentiment has been shifting around? So once you do think that we realise this week equilibrium cartel, where do you see the market going from there? Well, when it gets to equilibrium, then then it gets really exciting because then it is literally about what's going on in football. Um, you know, when, when players start really performing and getting more notice, they'll move up. When players underperform, then we back. It will just, it, when we get to an equilibrium, it should really reflect football. I think right now it's not 100% reflecting what's going on in football. It's it's more, there's just too many ex- external factors going on right now. You don't know what's, where the market's going. You don't know what the other traders are thinking. Um, but once it actually gets to that stage, and I don't know how long that's going to take, um, but we're obviously heading in that direction now. Then I think it gets really, really exciting, and you can actually then you can start trading and making money from your football knowledge instead of guessing what what's going to happen next. Um, yeah, I agree. Um, there is also this impact that FI have to grow this market as well. Um, so these prices need to go up. Um, FI need to grow this thing, add value more to more players, and grow it. To, to become as big as they possibly can before we reach this kind of trading only market cap type platform. Um, and I'm very curious to see how or what initiatives they they use to, to do that. The yields should be enough, but we need foundations. Yeah. Um, I, I, well, do you think that do you think they actually increase the yields each year or not each year, but this at the end of this season? I don't know. I don't know if it'll be this season because of how big they are, but it depends on prices. We're far from August, so we'll see. Um, but like you said, the yields the yields are there. The the prices nowhere near right. reflecting the yields. Well, who, well, who? Go on. Let me ask you who 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 would you say or just give me a price is fair value based on the yields, the highest. I think players could easily be providing we have like a robust platform let's let's take was, let's take it was just based on value just based on value okay 
Uh, I think people will pay 20, 25 quid for a player at 24, 25 years of age doing about 15 to 18% a year. Do you disagree with that? Um, I, you know, it depends on the player, but I, I'm probably not far off. I'm probably slightly less, but it, it's much higher than what it is now. Okay. I think if prices stay at what they are now, near enough, everyone who's bought at these prices are going to, if they just held on, would make their money back and more through the, um, purely through dividends. So they mm. don't, they don't reflect the mm. yields. I don't think in most cases. Okay. Interesting. So go on, let me, give me, give me a price. What the highest price? Yes, that that you'd like on based on these uh, these yields. yields, I'm 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 going to come a bit lower. I'm I'd probably pay around sixteen to seventeen. Hmm. Okay, Ah, it's not too far off though. But but that's Uh, (laughs) and it's both way higher than what what it currently is. We're we're all going to have different valuations, but I think most will have a higher valuation than what we're seeing now. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, we've got a question here from Seb Wassell from the FIG Discord, the FIG Patreon. Do go check that out. Do you think recent events will change traders' approach to the index from the types of players they hold to the attitudes towards money held in the platform? Yes. Um, I think in terms of money, I think it's kind of exposed. You know, before order books, if you wanted to take out your money straight away, you, you could. And now if you want to do that, you might have to take quite a big loss. So I think maybe those who don't want to be in it for long, long term will probably start to shrink their ports a bit. But in terms of um, in the types of player they hold, that shouldn't really change because that that's that's always about value and dividends. So whatever's happened, that, that, that hasn't really really affected that have, have you changed your 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 spend on the platform uh no not really have you <laughs> no um i haven't but i i, I wasn't gonna I've, I've set myself a limit anyway you know I, but it, it 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 might it might have um discouraged me a little bit at points to put in more okay just because you it, before i would have put in money and then if I suddenly needed that money for whatever reason, I would have been happy before just, you know, just taking it out. But now I kind of, it, it, if sentiment is really poor and if I hit that point of poor sentiment when I need the money, um, then I would have to take a big loss and I, I wouldn't want to do that. So I think it's very important to only put in the, what you could afford because if you, if you need that money straight away, you might not get exactly what you want out of it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think um, I think it'd be... Hmm, it's going to be interesting to see how... There will be some who will withdraw some money along the, the highs that we get to or the, the increases that we get to. Always, yeah. But, but I think there will be, again, at some point where the risk reward for some people gets to the point where they want to deposit more and that replaces that money. Definitely. Def- and it's, it's going to be... Look, it's really bad now because there's probably been quite a few stories of people who've lost quite a bit of money on it. But, it's, you know, in a year's time, you'll get stories of people who have made loads on it. And that's just going to encourage more and more as it did before. So uh, the, the, the money is there. Um, the yields are there. And, you know, it's, it's always the more you put in, the more you're going to get out of it. 
and that that's not going to change and and that's always been the game isn't it so yeah i don't Just... see that changing uh anytime soon um but let's let's see you know um before we get on to the next part of the show i need to remind you that this episode is brought to you by the athletic the athletic is a subscription-based sports news site delivering in-depth sports coverage featuring football reporters you know and love like david ornstein james pierce sam lee and rafa honigstein the athletic is telling stories you won't find anywhere else no ads or clickbait just great sports writing so for 50 off your annual subscription for the best sports writing around go to theathletic.co.uk slash fig and you get it for two pound 49 a month for their annual deal which is pretty good what have you bought recently a cartel for £2.49 what have I bought recently for £2.49 well yeah mate, um, come on this is the best thing you you know this is the question that everyone comes on for <laughs> what in terms of FI or just, just in general anything anything that you've spent money on well I spent money on um, a bundle of soft toys that I bought on Facebook marketplace that I'm trying to sell for Christmas a what? I went on Facebook Marketplace looking for bundles of soft toys. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is honestly this is the truth. I went with my girlfriend. We went, picked, picked them up in some dirty alleyway, um, picked up a bundle of soft toys. I think they were Disney ones. Fucking hell. And we, we just listened to them on eBay. Oh, my word. Well, you trade anything, don't you? Fair exactly. Um, FI Charlie, uh, who was great on the podcast a few weeks back. I don't know if you listened. What effect do you think trading both sides, bids and offers on the market on the same time, on the same player simultaneously will have on FI? Can we have a horse racing tip for the weekend? <laughs> so not doing too much horse racing anymore, but let's answer the first one. Okay. Um, I think it's. I think that will be a good thing. It will enhance the experience um you know you if, imagine if you could if you had two prices in mind of where you want to enter and exit a trade and you could literally just leave them on but i guess the issue is market manipulation i see it you know i saw it on when i was doing um the horse racing you'd suddenly get a massive um order come in of like ten thousand pounds like a few bits above what the price is and then that caused massive downward pressure then they buy at the low prices and then before you know it that money's just been taken out so i don't really know how you'd get around that it's kind of i guess it's good and bad well i think the issue is that we have this um we have the bid zones that kind of move with the offers don't we right Um, okay so they 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 kind of move arbitrarily um so i don't think we have a i think we'll have an issue with this until um the uh until the bids uh, bid zones are changed do you think we'll have those bid zones forever because i i kind of feel like they're going to get rid of them in the long run um if we we had a proper liquid liquid market yes if there was loads of bids and loads of offers it's obviously really be really hard to um to do that but i do think that with this current format if say okay let me change it if bids and offers were added tomorrow how bad do you think it would be from a manipulation standpoint uh not very bad i think it, not very bad okay well i don't know well i, I don't i don't know how much money everyone's got but i feel like if people had the money to cause that manipulation they would have probably put it on all these low prices i have no idea mm. maybe not maybe maybe you're right 
Well, I, I think... How, as how would they manipulate the price then? They would... Well, basically, you could just get an offer, put it in, drop that, uh, undercut all the offers, change the buy price, wait for people to undercut you, take your offer out, right? Wait for the bid zone to drop because the offers are, the offer is really low. Bid zone drops, you put your bids in, people sell to you in panic. Now, that's without the both sides of it. If you have both sides of it, then you don't even need to remove that offer. If you have yeah. a big enough pool of money, you can keep that offer in yeah. and keep driving the price yeah. low yeah. Yeah. and put bids in. I think I think it will be uh Yeah, I think it will be tough. I think it, it will be yeah. easy to manipulate. I guess they're they're kind of do they get they must get screwed then if if their big thing to manipulate price does get taken. Mm, yes, they would be. But if you put a big let's, enough wall in... Let's, well, let's get them, guys. Come on. We'll never be sure that. <laughs> <this> all... <laughs> um, yeah, let's get them. Let's go get them. But I do yeah. think FI need to address that. They need they do, to but, but, be on the lookout like said, for those they, accounts. They haven't really addressed that on Betfair. So yeah, but it's harder it. when you have such a liquid market with yeah. so many odds and uh, bids and offers the other side. But that, I'm that talking can't about be players. An easy thing to, to sort out. No, no. But are we giving tools that that make manipulation more rife? Yeah, yeah. We don't, obviously don't want to do that. So, so maybe that's why they haven't they haven't put that on yet. But let's talk about it from a positive standpoint. You think this would be great for your trading strategies or, or trading in general, don't you? Yeah, and I think it would it would also. You know, some maybe some people spend more time on the app than they want to because mm-hmm. they. Well, first of all, I don't know why. Why is there no notifications? I've yeah, had, I have no idea how that is. I swear, we even used to get notifications a couple of years ago. So I don't know how the technology's gone. Been, technology's gone but, backwards on that front. Yeah, but, but it's not been good, has it? But but whatever. Um, but. If we, yeah, if we were allowed to put bids on and offers on both sides, then you know you could li- literally leave it on there, and you wouldn't even have to be quick. Which which is which is why I like the way it is now compared to what it was before. Is I can, um, so I sold some shares um, the other day in the Champions League, and I literally I, I put the offer on like a couple of days before, so I didn't have to be quick in the game. Because his price went up to that and then it came back down. So I didn't have to be quick to exit during the game and then come out because I was allowed to to put it on before. So if you would be able to do it on both sides, that would help that as well. Because you could uh, change your trade in there. Yeah. Yeah. I think um I think it's gonna be an interesting addition. What what do you what about um being able to bid on multiple players with the same cash balance? I don't know, I haven't really thought about that. Um <laughs> How would that work then? I guess what if your thing got matched and suddenly the the other one disappears? Uh, yes, essentially. Well, it's it's, it's interesting. Um, I, yeah, I, I can't see what's wrong with that, um, unless it would create a lot of artificial kind of. Uh, well, I thought about that. I thought about that, but. Um... I was like, well, if that's what everyone is doing and you have loads of layers of these fake bids, then they kind of do make it more liquid. Yeah, that's true. And I suppose we call it fake bids, but they still 
the, the, the intention is still to get matched, isn't it? It's not. It's it's not any kind of manipulation putting a bid on five different players. Hmm. So yeah, yeah, I think that would be quite interesting, and it would it would it would allow you to to like you said um, make the market more liquid. So hmm. I don't see why not. Is it? Is, have we still got we still got that um, limit on how many offers we can do? Don't we? Yes. Yeah, that's another I, thing. I imagine that is probably for manipulation as well. Yeah. 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 Um, I think that um, they. Hmm. I think that yeah. There's a, there's a host of things that I think they're doing to limit manipulation. Just going back to our previous conversation, I know I'm going on another tangent, but um, like I do really think that it's it's between a rock and a hard place actually because some of these things that they do they'll allow you to create more natural liquidity but they'll also increase the chance of manipulation so i guess yeah. it's where on that sliding scale if i want to be where would you like them to be would you would you <laughs> be happy with a little bit of manipulation if more liquid <laughs> or would you be like no well, i'm happy with no manipulation <laughs> cartel that's liquid, what i'm happy with but less liquid i yeah i don't want to see people turned away no, from right, the platform you're right. um uh because that's not, that's they, not what we want. their prices have been hammered down yeah. Um, because someone's just decided yes, to manipulate yeah, yeah, them, yeah, but definitely. I don't know. Let's see. Uh, Football Index Way has a has a question here. What's your strategy to becoming a full time trader? Are you looking at players who will return dividends in Play Dividends Media Team of the Month PB, or is it going to be by doing constant short term trades? Um, I lean towards long term trades because I think that's much easier for me to predict. Um, you know, I can I can predict roughly what I think a player is going to be worth and how much they're going to return. And I can kind of see like both ends of the graph, but it's harder to predict the middle bit, but to be more lucrative, you've probably got to, you've got to start trying short-term trading because you know, you, you get in and out of the trade much quicker and you can multiply your money much quicker. So I'll, I'll probably be doing a combination. I haven't been doing much short-term trading recently because of the, the way the market's been um and i don't want to get caught out but there's there's scalping now as well you know trading the spreads which i think is really interesting um which wasn't there before um in terms of short-term trading i might might look at um i tend to look at players who've got kind of a good run of games coming up and they've maybe had a bit of a price drop before um in terms of who I buy is is always really to do with dividends. It doesn't necessarily mean I have to pick a player who's going to win me dividends immediately. Like I could pick a player who's young. Um, I may not think he's going to win me any dividends in the next two years, but as the player gets better, um, people start to notice, you know, how how good the guy is and how he can win dividends in the future. And then I I win through capital appreciation. But it's still all about it's all going it's always about dividends. So this dividend based approach um, successful now for you clearly because you have ambitions that are loftier. Do you how do you envision that developing? Do you envision your trading strategy changing when we have a more liquid market when we have different functionalities coming in? How do you see it developing? When it, when it's more liquid, I'll be doing a lot more short trading. Um, but short short term trading to me always seems much higher risk. 
So it will be very much a, a trial and error, which is what I've been been doing um, along with the value trading. But it's really it's it's going to be I'm going to take it as it comes. I, I need to see how the market reacts to to all these changes, and then I'll go from there. It's it's all it's always going to be about me literally just watching. Um, and then finding new opportunities uh, based on that. What what do you lean towards? I probably want to increase the amount of players I have by a little bit um, from 20 to about 30, 35, and then also have like a cash balance to, to kind of trade the spreads as well. I think at the moment, the spreads are hard to trade due to the limited liquidity or or rather the volumes that I would want to trade at um, on a lot of players that I want to trade in that manner, uh, if that makes sense. So I'm kind of waiting for a few more things to come in and pieces to come in and also for for my time to be portioned up the right right way and also move pieces around in my portfolio to do so. But I haven't, again, I haven't been trading too much recently. I'm trading right now and I don't think I will be for the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean, look, I have a thesis of of value and I've, I've kind of... Uh, I've kind of uh, chose my players based on that thesis and yeah. I'm hoping that I'm right. That's what the game is, right? So, to, so, to hope you're right about yeah, the, yeah, the development of, of footballer. So what do you, how do you do it? Because I, I find my players who I think are worth X amount and then I divide that basically by what their current price is so I can see who's the best value. But I, I can't just put it all on one player who I think is the best value. How do you kind of, how do you decide do you go just the same amount on every player or do you lean more towards the ones that are better value? How do you, how do you go about it? I try and if I think I have an edge on that player, um, that I think that there is, I place a higher probability on him doing X and Y than the average trader, then I will probably double down on that player and and leverage myself as much as as I can um but i also i'm quite good at knowing that i I guess one of my strengths as a a trader is that i am quite okay with high risk very high reward situations but i obviously try and minimize my risk as much as possible but it's impossible to just have a one player portfolio otherwise we would all just do that right but it's assets isn't it it's high risk is high reward and that's always going to be the case fig who is Best value on the platform right now. Whew. I don't know. You've you've caught me. You've caught me off guard there. Um, in terms of who I think will earn the most dividends. No, no, no. That's not what okay. I'm asking. I'm asking who is the best value. Like you know, if you had a player who's a pound and he's worth three, that's better than a player who's worth ten who's worth twenty. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, hmm. See, I could I could just come out and say something ridiculous and you wouldn't be able to really, you know, that is combat opinion. it. It's opinion. It's, it's... Yeah, because I could say, you know, I think uh, Adil Ashish should be worth four that's, pounds. even though I, I was thinking of. Even though I don't, right, which I probably don't. I don't think he's worth four pounds right now. But because he's one pound ten, that would mean that he's better value than anyone on the yeah. platform because I don't think Sancho is worth... 28 pounds right now yeah, for example that's, that's or, exactly, well exactly. it'd be 32 pounds right um the issue is right like when we're trying to attribute value to players what you're saying there is if like you own a one pound player that that you think is worth three pounds then that's an opinion but realistically 
the opinion has to be backed up by what the probabilities of that player getting to three pounds are. And that is also going to be a factor in what, uh, how you trade that player, how much of that player you buy and what you actually value them at. So for example, if I said to you, X player is five pounds, I think they're worth 12 pounds, but I think there's a 75% chance of that happening within the next six months. Or X player is one pound, I think he should be three pounds, but I think there's a 20% chance of that happening. Which one of those is a better value player? Um, sorry, I wasn't listening to the numbers, but I think really <laughs> <laughs> you understand I, what I mean, though, I get, right? I completely get what you're saying. It's, it's time, isn't it's it? Not, it's not. It's not black and white. Yeah, it's right. You're right. That is that's hard. That's it gets really complicated. Um, but I, I tend to just I. Yeah, no, you're right. It, it, it's who's going to get there first because you could get a player jump from one pound to two pounds in the next week. And then cash out on that, and then go for someone bigger. So it's it's a mix, isn't it? But it's it's impossible. I, I tend to go for players who I maybe don't know when they're going to take off, but I know they're going to take off at some point. Like, um, like well, if that, the, th- th- the thing is though, if you have a thesis of value and you think uh, the one pound player is worth three pounds, no matter what the probability of that happening over what time period you think that they are value so you think at one point that they will increase in value significantly so or or, or they're going to return it in dividends sure and but the, the other issue is sometimes you can't predict when that will happen so yeah. you might have to hold x yeah, player exactly. at one pound for two and a half years before they explode yeah. because they have yeah. a certain event that happens a transfer see, just, see that's what happened with me with with Jao felix i held him <laughs> Go last on, sorry. year i held him last year or even before that held him for ages and his price just stayed the same and then it got to the point where I was like right it, I, I, I could use this money better to grow on other players and then of course as soon as I did that he shut up which is always the case but that, that's the, that's it it's impossible to, to know exactly when a player is going to hit form and take off so if, if you think I guess if you think a player is eventually going to take off at some point um, you're probably better off to just hold hold out unless you see a better opportunity. Mm. Um, I've got a question here from Bobby Axelrod continuing on this kind of theme um, of trading strategy, I suppose. Uh, how have the full-time trader ambitions fared over the last few weeks, months? Still feel its possibility with what we have seen in front of us or do you want some changes before diving in? Um, I think it's still very possible. Um, the, the thing that triggered me to go full-time is the order books. And okay, it's, it's been a bit of a mess, but you know, it's just a few months in what could be 20 years of, of greatness. So not too put off by that. There's also, there's, I mean, what's amazing is the opportunity we've actually had right now during this crash is if you did sell at the peak, you, you could have doubled your whole portfolio by buying back cheap. So the fact that we've had that opportunity could suggest, you know, maybe, maybe we'll get chances like that again. And um, we can take advantage of them. Um, and with the order books, there's going to be all this new short-term trading made easier, and you know, sp- trading the spreads. Um, no, I'm, I'm I'm very excited to see where it goes, and my ambitions are not damaged by what's happened. Hmm. Okay, uh, we've got a question here from Fi Pickle Rick. 
who will be the top of the index in one month, one year, and three years' time? <laughs> um, let's go three years first. Um, I've got to go by Harland because I think I just think he's amazing. Um, but I think I think his people say that his, his PB isn't there because if he doesn't score, he gets quite low scores. But he does score every game. So, I mean, isn't he top forward at the moment for player of the month? He is. Yeah. Um, and I think, so I'm not even, I think his PB is only going to get better. But the big thing for me is his media. I mean, he's at Dortmund. He's said a few times now that he wants to move around clubs. Any club he moves to is going to attract massive media. Um, I just don't know when that will happen. But I, I can definitely see him see him being a hybrid kind of like Bruno who's, who's just going to dominate um, next year. Um, it's very much dependent on transfers, but I, I'd probably either go Jaden Sancho or Mbappe purely. I mean, purely because I think, well, I don't think either of them are going to be at their teams for much longer. Mbappe might stay a bit longer, but I think Sancho will, will probably exit. Um, and in a years from now, that will kind of still be the, the beginning, whether he whether he comes off or not. If he went to Man U um, from that back of the transfer, I think he'd be top. And I think in a month's time, probably Sancho as well. As we get towards um, the January window, I think the rumours are probably going to start coming up again. And I saw him play uh, during the week. Maybe he's hitting a bit of form again. I don't know. What, what do you think? I don't think you'll be too far off, but I mean, I was looking at kind of like the top 10 now in prices and some of them just weren't anywhere three years ago. So yeah, Harlan, that's, that's Sancho. Right. Well, what about uh, that, um, that guy for Dortmund? Who's, who's uh, you said Makoko. He's um, Again, really though, like, you know, loads of players have been unreal in, in youth teams, right? So Yeah, but I watched him and it was like, it was like I was playing FIFA and I made a guy 99 <laughs> everything. Like he was just <laughs> ridiculous. And he's, and he's he's like two years younger than everyone on the pitch in the videos I've seen as well. I know it's insane. That, it's I mean, insane. I've never seen anything like that, so I wouldn't. So yeah, maybe he'll be the top. <laughs> maybe he'll be at the top in three Where, years. He's he German does. as well, isn't he? Yeah, well, I think so, he can, yeah he can play for them. Yeah, that, I mean, that'd be amazing. Um, Fi Mac with our final question here: Who are your top three dividend returners over the next three years? Top three dividend returners for the next three years. Um, it depends if Messi goes to City. If he goes to City, he's going to be probably the top, depending on how long he's there. Um, but I'll probably go Haaland, um, Jaden, and Mbappe, just based on their, their transfer rumours and if they go through. Do you think Messi will be a, a, a dividend fiend if he goes to... <laughs> To live city, yeah, he fucking will be. Um, <laughs> How old is he now? Is he 30, 34? Four? Yeah, he could still get at least two years out of him, couldn't they? Yeah, and I think he'd probably win more in those two years. Do you think he'll go? Would. I don't think so now. Do you? No, no, I guess the only thing is is that maybe might suggest it is that Pep signed a new contract. Yeah. And I'm sure he But like then the board would have been Pep. kicked off. But yeah, exactly. The board would be. Awesome. So maybe not. Arsenal maybe aren't looking great not. though, are they, at the moment? And They're looking terrible. <laughs> I think it's the worst I've ever seen them. 
I mean, I'm only 25 and that's probably the worst I've seen them in my life. I haven't seen them this bad for, for a while. Um, so yeah, I wouldn't disagree with you there. Anything else that you want to cover, talk about, Index Cartel? It's been a really, really great 60 minutes before we move into our Patreon-specific uh, content. We, uh, um, I think we've covered pretty much everything I wanted to bring up. Um, anything you'd like to ask? No, no, no. <laughs> I mean, um, okay, I was... Um, I'd like to... Um, who do you think... What's your thoughts on Ansu Fati? What's my thoughts on Ansu Fati? Um, I think he's really good. I think he's a really, really good player. I think he's shown that he has great PB potential. I think he... It's a shame that he's had like a a bad injury, um, which required surgery at the beginning of his career. But he looks electric, um, breaking all the records youth-wise, or youngest player-wise for Spain and and, and, uh, Barcelona. What what separates him... From a Bojan. Hmm. Because this is this so, is the big this is the big gamble that people take on youths. So I think that the glimpses that I've seen for Spain show that it's not a systematic talent. It's not a talent that is only yeah. getting great output this is, this is, this is just because of Messi. Is that I think um you need to watch players yeah. before you buy them. Because I've ma- I've actually made I've made the mistake I bought um, I just looked at stats on a couple of players and thinking they were going to be great I bought them and then you watch them play and they're just crap and you don't want to make that mistake of just um, buying on the hype always always watch them before you buy I think mm. I think that's a that's a good that's a good uh, thing to think about. I mean, you've been a, a big advocate of the uh, career dividend return thing, right? yes. And we talked about it recently or uh, previously in the podcast, um, talking about accountancy reasons. But why don't you give us just a couple of minutes before we wrap up, like why you value players over their career rather than three years, which I think has become a bit muddled. Well, I guess the, the best example I can give is that you've got a thir- let's say you've got a thirty-five-year-old and a twenty-year-old, and over the next three years, they're both going to return the same amount of dividends, right? But then, in three years' time, one of those players is going to be worth virtually nothing because he's going to be thirty-eight, and no one's going to want to buy a thirty-eight-year-old, whereas the other one's going to be twenty-three with his, the rest of his career ahead. So. If you're going by three years, both those players should be worth the same. But clearly they're not because you won't be able to sell the the other one. You'll, you'll literally break even, really, if you make dividends. Um, and I guess you, you you it just doesn't work if you do three years. I, I just can't get my – I'm not very good at explaining it, which is probably why I go into debates for hours about it. But I just can't see how it can be three years. Well, DM that man if you want to argue with him. <laughs> yeah, come on, please, please argue with me. I'll, I'll talk about it all day. Well, I think that's all we've got time for. Thank you so much for joining me, mate. Thank you so much for having me. I really, really enjoyed Absolute it. Absolute pleasure. I really enjoyed speaking to you. Where can people find out more about you? Um, so I'm on YouTube, at just Todd Garber. Or if you're on Instagram, uh, Todd underscore Garber underscore index. And always open to DMs. If you have any questions or, or want on to Twitter, discuss, where can people find you? 
Twitter um, at Cartel Index. Brilliant. Brilliant. Thank you very much, everyone, for listening. If you guys are commuting right now, then uh, have a safe commute. If you're not commuting, doing whatever you're doing, have a great day. Sorry if we didn't get to answer all your questions. Uh, as always, there's quite a few from a various uh, from various locations. Thank you very much, and we'll have more Fitcast for you next week. <laughs>